0: a little health care this morning with the help of Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. Okay, so more announcements from the health minister.
1: Yeah, interesting. On Friday, we had an in-person briefing with the health minister in the press theater at the legislature buildings. I don't think we've had one of those for a long time. I can't recall one anyway. I was masked up. The health minister was masked up. Everybody else was unmasked. That's the way things are going. But uh, a good sense of where things stand with Adrian Dix and the health ministry in the challenges continuing in the health system. So this was packaged up as good news and certainty for the North Island. And there is some of that in there, Simi, and a bunch of money, too, $30 million. But the other thing that really came through is how difficult. It is going to be to address the gaps in our health care system, how long it is going to take, and it's not just a matter of money.
0: Okay, and so what is this money going to be for?
1: So the $30 million is designed to address something that has been getting a lot of attention in the last two weeks. So you go back to the ER doctor at Port Hardy, uh, Alex Natterus, who said, By summer, I'm going to be the only doctor here. The other two doctors, through burnout, are just leaving. And, of course, you've had three communities at the north end of the island, uh, Port Hardy, Port McNeil, and Alert Bay, complaining that the ERs have been closing there on short notice. So, Dix has come in with $30 million, and that's designed to do a bunch of things. Uh, There are incentives for the people who work there to keep working, there's travel money for people who have to travel, there's bonus pay, Uh, there's a commitment to uh, security to protect um, staff from abuse in those facilities. Uh, There's Renault's coming to make the ERs more safe. And all of that is real, and all of that is people saying up there, hey, this is great. But certainty for those places mean indefinite uh, closure of the ERs after hours. So in Port Hardy, where the big trouble is, the ER will be open daytime only indefinitely. Uh, uh, alert bay on cormorant island the er will be open daytime only indefinitely and the only one that there's a commitment to 24 7 and uh, people haul out your bc atlas and see what kind of travel time we're talking here port mcneil uh will be 24 7 so That's certainty, but, you know, you think about it, if you live up there, what it means is your ER will certainly be closed at night if you live in Alert Bay or you live in Port Hardy. And you'll have to go to Port McNeil if you need emergency attention after hours.
0: And is this just going to be the reality now? Is this staffing issues? Like, did they talk about that?
1: Okay, so I asked Dick's point blank. Uh, how long, you know, we were told this is uh, indefinite, right? So how long is indefinite? Are we talking a matter of weeks of the ERs will be on reduced hours? Are we tacking, tacking months? And he came back with, well, it'll be more than weeks, they said. It really is. They have to get confident about the staffing levels up there before they can commit to round the clock opening of the e r s and he and I mean that is a certainty issue, right? He said we don't want to go back to uh well, we think we can do it and then have people discover again that no uh, actually uh, the e r on short notice is going to be closed this weekend overnight, so right. they're they're trying to get a schedule they can stand behind and guarantee to bring what they call, which is stability to the region, but it means, the, the part of it that's still up in the air is, how long is this going to take? And if they have an idea, Simi, they're not sharing it with the public.
0: Okay, so this is the, pl- was it better, I guess, just to write this down so that we can have some certainty?
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, the the real problem up there has been, hey, we've got to go to the ER, is it open, right? Uh, and that, they seem to have at least addressed that with the plan. They're saying it's not going to be open or it is going to be open and we think we can deliver it on these hours. So, as I said, I think that's a step forward. But the other thing that comes out here is, you know, the government's got a big surplus. They're putting up $30 million if they, they could put up $40 million or whatever to do it. The, the fact is they can't deliver the recruitment levels and the staff as quickly as they would like to. And a good example is Dick saying, you know, we're going to add 10 new protection officers there to protect the staff against abuse. Well, you know, we've had reports, and uh, NW reported this about two weeks ago. Last fall, the government promised 350 new security officers. But as NW reported two weeks ago, uh, there's only four have been hired. Because there's a shortage. You know, you can't just conjure these people out of thin air. That's true of nurses. That's true of doctors up there. So, you know, you go through it and you go, well, this is, everyone agrees this is a step in the right direction. But, Simi, it also underscores how difficult it is going to be to fix these problems and the fact that it may take some time to get there, and that's not great for the premier, because, as you know, David Eby is on. A, I got to show action. I got to yeah. show results, and I've got CB's number: eighteen months to the next election.
0: Okay, so there was that talked about. Plus, they talked about COVID.
1: Yeah, there was a bit of chat about COVID. Uh, you know, and the and the and the chat there was Simi uh, Dix saying to the to the press gallery. It was three years ago, tomorrow, so this was Friday, so he's referring to Saturday, Jan 28th. Three years ago, that he and Dr. Bonnie Henry had the first uh, media statement, first media avail, actually. uh, We had our first case of COVID 19. Uh, So, three years ago, uh, looking at the BC dashboard uh this morning, it's still out there. They're still keeping the numbers. Uh, so we've gone from one case in three years now to 400,000 cases, just under 400,000. And we've got uh, the numbers uh, that I saw this morning, 5,000 deaths. So that's a mortality rate per case, uh, a little higher than the rest of Canada, according to the most recent numbers. And 100 cases per 100,000 British Columbians. There's about 5 million British Columbians, so 5,000 cases, is So that is a little higher than the rest of the country, too. Um, We still can't, Simi, give a real overview perspective on everything. I would note one thing, which Dr. Bonnie Henry admitted herself in the first wave. British Columbia got lucky in the first wave. Um, Quebec uh, was ringing the alarm bell sooner than we were. Quebec's spring break was earlier than right. spring break here. And Quebecers went to their usual vacation spots in the United States by the time British Columbia parents were thinking of taking the kids to Disneyland or wherever, um, we we all knew, don't do that, and it didn't happen. So we had some bad luck in that first wave. We had that... Uh dare I say it, the International dentists Conference, which was blamed for bringing cases in from Europe. But we were lucky, too. And I, I think that put British Columbia on a good footing going forward. There was a feeling here, not that we'd been lucky, although we had, but that because we would behaved ourselves, we managed to get a lower case count. And I think that put us on a good footing that has been borne out to the present day, the sense that we were doing better, even though we weren't always doing better. And as I said, the the government still hasn't announced an independent review of how we handled COVID-19. We still need one of those, and it needs to be arm length and independent, and I don't know if we'll get it.
0: And there's still so many questions about even right now what our case counts are.
1: Yeah, no, there is. Uh, you're quite right. I mean, there's there's been reports that we're undercounting, and because there's a view that we are undercounting more than other places, you're right, we don't know if our numbers are good. Uh, Dick's remarked on Friday, interesting, and he asked a couple of us, uh, Keith Baldwin, he asked me as well, had we noticed that, you know, the, the, the kind of... Uh, Twitter, social media backlash was, was up again from both sides. You know, the people who say we're not doing enough and the people who say we're doing too much. I I don't have statistics on that, but my sense is, yeah, you know, and, and Baldry said the same thing. We're still hearing from anti-vaxxers. We're still hearing from people who say the government is letting us down by not having mask mandates. Um, I think from the government's point of view, Simi, I know you've got dicks on this morning. Mm-hmm. He probably feels more comfortable having them come at him from both sides, but that doesn't necessarily mean that one side's right and one side's wrong. It just tells us two things. One, that it's not over yet by any means. It's not over yet. You still need to get vaccinated, and Dix keeps saying that. Dr. Henry keeps saying that. And we still don't know how this is all going to end, whether – there'll be a day where we go, okay, it's over, or will we just say we're going to be living with this for the rest of our lives?
0: Thank you for Isn't that, that, Von. is No, it's not at all for a Monday <laughs> morning, but thank you for that. Bye-bye. <laughs> That's Von Palmer there from the Vancouver Sun.